0: section three of through east anglia in a motor car by j e vincent this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter two of through east anglia in a motor car by j e vincent winter ipswich to norwich via woodbridge Beccles, lowestoft and yarmouth part one Practical observations: Roads, fair to Blythebra, poor thence to Beckles, fair for rest of journey. Hill, a sharp ascent on leaving Ipswich. Distances: Ipswich to Woodbridge, eight miles; Woodbridge to Wickham Market, four and three quarter miles; Wickham Market to Saxmundham eight miles detour to oldborough recommended turn to right at farnham two miles short of saxmundham to oldborough seven miles Rejoin Blytheborough road at yoxford yoxford from oldborough nine miles from saxmundham three and a half miles saxmundham to yoxford three and a half miles Yoxford via Darsham to Blythborough, three and three quarter miles. Detour to Southwold, six miles advised. Return same route of going to Beckles or by Radon, Wankford and Blythford and then to Beckles Road, thus adding four and a quarter miles in all. Blythborough to Beckles, nine miles. Beckles to Lowestoft ten miles lowest off to great yarmouth ten miles great yarmouth to norwich direct route nine and a half miles truth to tell ipswich on the gipping which becomes the orwell and an estuary lower down seemed to me then an ancient city showing except in a few picturesque houses and the gateway of wolsey's college few signs of antiquity if it cannot be called happy in having had no history for it was plundered by the danes in 991 it has had little cause for unhappiness of that kind since the conquest it has produced no really famous man except wolsey though gainsborough lived in it for some years AND ITS CHURCHES, ALTHOUGH NOT QUITE DEVOID OF INTEREST, ARE NOT STRIKING ENOUGH TO DELAY A MOTORIST. NOTE IN PASSING, NOT THE LEAST ADVANTAGE OF AN EXPLORING TOUR BY MOTOR. YOU NEED NEITHER SPEND TIME IN EXAMINING THAT, WHICH IS BARELY WORTH THE PROCESS, ON THE GROUND THAT THERE IS NOTHING ELSE TO BE DONE, NOR HURRY AWAY FROM THAT WHICH IS INTERESTING, in order to catch a train but staying so long as seems pleasant and no longer you may be transported when you please rapidly and pleasantly to scenes you have reason to believe are to be worthy of your regard in these circumstances after an admiring glance at the famous sparrow's house in the butter market close to the hotel I frankly betook myself to an effort to follow the Weller's father and son Mr. Pickwick and his followers through an eventful day This stable yard round the corner to the left where the panhard was now being furbished up Was the same on which mr. Weller senior? Looked when in a small room in the vicinity He discussed a pot of ale and the gammoning of Sam and drank to the toast. May you soon vipe off the disgrace as you've inflicted on the family name. The office in the courtyard was doubtless that at which he got his vay bill. Walking about these very streets, Sam wormed himself into the confidence of the lachrymose Job Trotter. In this inn parlour, Mr. Peter Magnus alias jingle splendidly attired made a hollow pretence of breakfasting with mr pickwick here the latter gave his simple hints on courtship and proposal and here was seen the joyous face of mr tupman the serene countenance of mr winkle and the intellectual lineaments of mr snodgrass in this room was enacted that memorable scene when mr magnus presented miss witherfield to mr pickwick and miss witherfield screamed but neither she nor mr pickwick was indelicate enough to mention the cause his unwitting invasion of her chamber overnight rushing out of this room the lady after bolting herself into her bedroom went forth in search of mr nupkins and appraised him of the forthcoming duel which there was not really much reason to anticipate where exactly miss witherfield saw mr nupkins i am unhappily not able to say nor yet and for the same reason with a grummer with his myrmidon doubly and his division each with a short truncheon and a brass crown Conducted mr. Pickwick and mr. Tupman in the old sedan chair But for all that it is easy to picture the whole of the never-to-be-forgotten scene All the more memorable in that it never was enacted In fact it is no mean regret to me that on that cold January morning I was not able to find the house with the green gate with the house door guarded on either side by an American Alo in a tub, it has eluded me since also. Perhaps it is gone, like a good deal of old Ipswich. Possibly some miscreant has had his gate painted white instead of green. Perhaps I looked in the wrong place in the vicinity of St. Clement's Church it is even within the bounds of possibility that the house with the green gate never had any more real and substantial existence than mr pickwick himself all i know is that i could not find it at noon or thereabouts time does not worry one in a motor-car unless one is seeking records we boarded the panhard now bright as a birmingham button and started off up a long and trying hill in cold dry and windless weather for a circuitous drive its sinuosities determined by the desires of my friend a new member was added to the party in the person of a resident at norwich desirous of reaching that ancient city in due course who was supposed to know and probably did know every considerable turning of every high road in the two counties of Norfolk and Suffolk. He had not, however, enjoyed much experience as the pilot of an automobile, and he found, as I had in years gone by when I was new to the pastime, that I and memory were not equal to moving together at a speed proportioned to that of the car. Which road? the charioteer would cry. The new passenger was riding astern, when we were from fifty to seventy yards from a fork or a turn, and hesitation would often be visible in the reply, so that it was necessary to slow down and sometimes, having invaded the wrong road, to back out again. This is not a criticism it is rather matter of observation and experience only recently have the minds of driving and driven men been called upon to exercise their judgment to choose a line as a fox hunter might say while they are being carried through space much more rapidly than of yore and the pace puzzles them at first you are past a familiar turning in a car in less time than is consumed over approaching it in a dog-cart or on horseback and the aspect of the turning itself has something strange about it but you grow accustomed to the new conditions with experience in fact motor-cars sharpen the perceptions and spur the intelligence to venture an audacious travesty and some even more hardy doggerel, ergendi didicisse fidelita artem execuit mentum nay sinet esse pegram, meaning, he who has learned a car to drive sharpens his wits and looks alive. Personally, I sat alongside the driver. A place of honor if cold and the mechanic sat at my feet pity is wasted on a mechanic so placed at any time for he likes the position and it is not so comfortless as it looks by a long way experto crede in any case our ex-soldier was a proud man that morning for his car was a joy to the eye THE DAY BEFORE, OWNER AND MECHANIC WERE HUSTINGS WORN, THE CAR LOOKED BATTERED AND DISSIPATED, AS WELL AS FOG-DIMMED. NOW THE BRASS SHONE WITH A GLOW THAT WOULD HAVE SATISFIED THE PROUD COMMANDER OF A MAN OF WAR, WHO IS THE MOST EXACTING PERSON LIVING. IF THAT MECHANIC HAD READ THE Greek tragedians, HE WOULD HAVE KNOWN THAT NEMESIS MUST NEEDS COME SOON grass glittered varnish shone all four cylinders worked nobly but the engine would race from time to time it became all too clear to him who had the control of the machine or desire to have it that he had it not in entirety since the clutch kept slipping hence came power wasted miles per hour lost and a definite feeling of discontent in the owner so after a hill or two had been climbed without satisfaction a halt was called on the level the mechanic did not like it a bit and he had our sympathy he had worked hard he had turned out the car with a creditable appearance it was crushing to be found out in a single fault i knew his feelings from experience to be blamed when you thoroughly deserve it is tolerable to be blamed for no fault at all is to find consolation in private reflection upon the folly of him or her who administers reproof to discover that one essential point has been forgotten WHEN YOU HAVE TRIED HARD TO REMEMBER EVERYTHING, IS TO BE COMPELLED TO RECOGNIZE THAT, AFTER EVERY WILLING EFFORT, YOU ONLY LOOK A FOOL AFTER ALL. THE MECHANIC HAD OUR SYMPATHY ON ANOTHER GROUND, TOO. HE VOWED, OF COURSE, THAT THE CLUTCH COULD NOT BE MADE TIGHTER. HE DECLARED THAT, IF IT WERE, THE CONSEQUENCES WOULD BE DISASTROUS. For you shall note that your mechanic dearly loves a bitter play in fittings and a pause a nut screwed quite home all these things were clear to us but we were none the less inexorable as in starting on a heavy job in carpenter's work minutes spent in putting a keen edge onto a plane and chisel are our ours saved in the end so it is sheer idiocy to muddle on with a motor-car if at the beginning of the journey you are aware of something wrong that is capable of being set right on the road it is indeed in detecting the first premonitory evidence of trouble and in meeting difficulties more than half-way that the genius of an inspired driver is shown THIS LITTLE WEAKNESS OF MECHANICS FOR A BIT O' PLAY IS ALSO WORTH REMEMBERING. SO WE WERE SORRY FOR THE MECHANIC, BUT THE THING HAD GOT TO BE DONE WHETHER HE LIKED OR NO, AND FOR HALF AN HOUR HE LAY ON HIS BACK UNDER THE CAR, STRAINING, GRUNTING, OTHERWISE ELOQUENTLY SILENT, while black and viscous oil made a little pool on the road alongside of his honest head and while we pacing up and down the frozen road forbore even to remind him that if the road had been muddy his fate would have been worse in cases where an angel would lose his temper under the gentlest persiflage it is only decent to leave a willing but disappointed man to himself the half-hour ended the job was done overdone a little as the mechanic well knew yet not so much overdone but that a driver of rare skill could disappoint him by ignoring the inconvenience and we took our seats again the car sprang forward like a living creature moving fast and smoothly there was all the difference in the world between the motion as it was and the motion as it had been and the chagrin of the mechanic yielded to time and to the proud feeling that all was right with his car through his handiwork Sooth to say the scenery was not interesting on a frosty and somewhat misty day the route was to start with fire woodbridge wicker market and stratford st andrew to Saxmundham. that is to say the road runs along the brow the very much wrinkled brow of the upland which is high by comparison with the lowland extending a long way in from the coast running from felixstowe to oldborough and beyond of that lowland, we could see nothing. Woodbridge, appearing to consist of one street, long, straggling, and narrow, was the first village of any consideration through which we passed. Its chief claim to fame is that Edward Fitzgerald wrote letters at it, remarking in one, dated 1855, that Woodbridge had not reached 1842 yet. But we shall see Woodbridge again. Next came Wickham Market, narrow, straggling, and long. It is quite commonplace. From Wickham Market, we went on to Saxmundham, and there committed a grave error. Hot dinner, it was stated, was due in three quarters of an hour, but it could be hurried forward if we wished. We wished accordingly, and wished afterwards that we had not, for the meat, some forgotten joint half boiled, was in a state in which, according to the traveller Bruce, the Abyssinians eat their meat from choice, and the accompanying parsnips, quite hard, may have been fit to place before sheep. As we were neither Abyssinians nor sheep, but english travellers the error was felt the more acutely because we had ourselves only to blame given the same conditions another time i should urge a detour to oldborough a detour of some six miles to be begun about two miles short of saxmundham for oldborough is worth seeing and man can feed there of oldborough an observation or two may be made on the basis of a sojourn a few years since it is certainly one of the most bracing places in this world it has a tolerable hotel good golf links and a fine view of the sea and the ancient moot house is picturesque the abiding impression left by aldborough is simply that it is the oddest place ever seen the little river old starting somewhere near Sexmundum, follows a more or less southerly course for a couple of miles then an even smaller river joins it and flowing eastward for a mile or so the combined streams seem to be heading for the sea distant about six miles but it takes them fifteen miles even with the help of another so-called river purposeless as themselves to reach the sea for first they are lost in a mccranking mere of sluggish water which actually approaches within a hundred yards of the sea at holbro where it is stopped by a stony bank the mere continues and the rivers are merged in it parallel to high water mark divided from it sometimes by a hundred yards or so sometimes by half a mile for nine miles from the point of turning and soon the water is dubbed river ore in the map by this time it is meandering mainly under the influence of the tide most likely behind and to the west of orford ness and it is not until somewhere about the middle of halsey bay that this utter absurdity of a river this monstrous estuary for three trifling streams finds its way into the sea a year or two ago the good folks of oldborough celebrated their native poet george crabb though why they chose the date seeing that crabb was born in seventeen fifty four and died in 1832 it is not quite easy to see the celebration indeed was like the use made of pickwick by the hotel at ipswich an example of the truth that a community or an individual having a mind for advertisement will not be stopped by petty considerations of pride george crab was born at aldborough through no fault of his own he left it in seventeen sixty-eight to be apprenticed to a surgeon at berry st edmunds he came back to it to practice as a surgeon and failed miserably as a medical man because his mind was on the making of verses all the time then he tried his fortune in london and beat despairingly on the doors of fame until burke introduced him to dodsley who brought out the library with some success in 1781 at about the same time dr johnson expressed a high opinion of his verse next he was ordained and took up his residence as curate at Aldborough but he left it soon to become domestic chaplain to the duke of rutland and he does not seem to have had much if anything to do with his native place during his subsequent career as prosperous poet and comfortable clergyman he was a distinctly sound poet with a queer vein of humour although his admirer edward fitzgerald whom we meet to-day VALUED HIM PERHAPS TOO HIGHLY, AND BYRON, PROBABLY FOR HIS OWN PURPOSES, OVERPRAISED HIM IN THE WORDS, NATURE'S STERNEST PAINTER, BUT HER BEST. CRAB HATED OLDBRA, OR OLDBRA SCENERY AT ANY RATE, OR, IF HE DID NOT HATE THEM, HE TOOK THE STERN VIEW OF THEM. LO, WHERE THE HEATH WITH WITHERING brake GROWN o'er lends the light turf that warms the neighbouring poor. From thence a length of burning sand appears, where the thin harvest waves its withered ears. Rank weeds that every art and care defy rain o'er the land and rob the blighted rye. Thus does he describe the vicinity, and thus the so-called river and its marge here samfer banks and saltworth bind the flood and stakes and seaweed withering in the mud and higher up a ridge of all things base which some strong tide has rolled upon the place no assuredly crabb had no liking for aldborough and to be perfectly candid i agree with him that save for golfers it is a dreary and eye-afflicting place in this view i confess to have believed myself to be singular and for expressing it have incurred scorn more than once so crabbe is quoted in confirmation yet with the hope that those who visit oldborough may agree with the general view and not with that of a minority of two one of them something better than a minor poet be it added in justice to oldborough that you can look for amber among the pebbles on the beach so you can anywhere and find as much as i did from Saxmundham, we laid a course due north for yoxford pisanhall of murderous fame lies some three miles to the west and pass by way of darsham to blithebrough here in a village named in the doomsday is a really striking fifteenth-century church in good perpendicular and with splendid clerestory, plainly visible from the road and we are not far from southwold now known of many as a summer resort whereas in days not long past it was visited by few persons save those who knew of the existence of st edmund's church with its really majestic tower and rare rood-loft here by the way is buried agnes strickland the historian the very slight inward curve of the coastline here is dignified with the name of a bay and as soul bay which is simply southwold bay spoken short it has a considerable place in history on the twenty eighth of may sixteen seventy two the combined fleets lay at sol bay in a very negligent posture they were the fleets of england under the command of the duke of york with lord sandwich under him and of france and here de reuter the greater sea captain of his age took his royal adversary quite by surprise this was due not so much to the dashing merit of de reuter as to the crass carelessness of the duke for sandwich being an experienced officer had given the duke warning of the danger but received they said such an answer as intimated that there was more of caution than of courage in his apprehensions what hasty words i wonder of the rude and haughty admiral were represented by this sonorous periphrasis de writer came with ninety-one ships-of-war and forty-four fire-ships sailing in quest of the english and sandwich after giving the warning in vain, saved the day by a display of gallantry to be ranked as extraordinary even in the annals of the English Navy. Sailing out to meet the Dutchman, he engaged him at once and gave time to the Duke and the French Admiral. He killed Van Ghent, a Dutch Admiral, and beat off his ship he sunk another ship which ventured to lay him aboard he sunk three fireships which endeavored to grapple with him and though his vessel was torn to pieces with shot and of a thousand men she contained near six hundred were laid dead upon the deck he continued still to thunder with all his artillery in the midst of the enemy but another fireship more fortunate than the preceding having laid hold of his vessel her destruction was now inevitable warned by sir edward haddock his captain he refused to make his escape and bravely embraced death as a shelter from that ignominy which a rash expression of the duke's he thought had thrown upon him admiral and flag captain in fact perished when the fire reached the magazine and this time at any rate the price of admiralty was paid in full the english claimed a victory and embalmed it in a ballad although the truth was that the duke's fleet was too much shattered for pursuit and the french fleet under secret orders perhaps from louis the fourteenth did next to nothing the dutch Probably claimed one also, although the battle ended the hopes with which de Ruyter's expedition started. All that matters nothing now. The moment that heartens a man is that at which he stands on this low lying shore, as spectators stood all the long day in May 1672, and remembers the gallant fight and the glorious death of Sandwich sir isaac newton is also said to have heard it the firing at cambridge so writes the accomplished author of murray's guide in 1875 and there is nothing incredible in the suggestion the distance is but seventy miles roughly the cannon of old time with their black powder made a terrible sound acoustics are full of mystery and the noise of the big guns at portsmouth is often heard in the heart of the berkshire downs from euston to the centre of Sol bay is about half the distance over which sound is said to have reached newton and it is on record that lord ossory then a guest of the duke of grafton heard the guns and rode halfway across east anglia to witness the battle surely it was a majestic and awe-inspiring spectacle for those on the shore and surely it is worth while to reconstruct it now in imagination from blitheborough we went along a road of poor surface and of no scenic attraction in winter save that the trees were fine to beccles one of the three principal towns of suffolk possessed i was content to believe of a grand church and boasting a view over the marshes of the waveney once navigable but we saw little of beccles the name of which reminded edward fitzgerald of hooks and eyes we were indeed quite glad to leave it after penetrating a quarter suggestive of a new and prosperous midland town for election fever was running high, and Carr and its occupants were cheered or hooted by eager crowds. Cheered most, perhaps, for the crowds were mostly red, and the Connemara cloak seemed to express a sympathy which, in truth, was not felt. We had all had enough electioneering and to spare, and were glad to turn our faces for Lowestoft, as will be seen later, Beckles made a far more pleasant impression on a subsequent visit. At Lowestoft, too, it is a short and easy run, election fever was running high, and the political excitement of a seething mob does not make for an individual appreciation of the picturesque. But old Lowestoft is picturesque, hanging, as it were, over the sea, and South Lowestoft has a peculiar origin worth knowing. Among the pleasant enterprises incident to the writing of this book has been the making of notes from Norfolk and Norwich Notes and Queries, reprinted from the Norfolk Chronicle, to which I have added in my notebook, O.C. Sic Omnes, would indeed that all county papers laid themselves out as this one does to collect notes from those interested in the antiquities of their county here as to lowestoft are found two notes one entertaining and suggestive the other distinctly taking it appears that in fifteen fifty eight one thomas north published a fantastic explanation of the origin of herring curing in which lowestoft has always rivalled yarmouth without giving it in detail it may be stated that in essential spirit if on a different topic it exactly anticipates charles lamb's divine theory of roast pig but thomas north has none of that grace of expression which compels quotation when one encounters lamb, and one only regrets that lamb did not think of describing the origin of herring curing as well as of roast pork. End of chapter two, part one.